Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, good morning, everybody, and welcome uh, in. It's the Miller and Condon radio program as we talk the world of sports with you for the next couple of hours. Going to localize it uh, as best as we absolutely can. A lot of conversation on Iowa and Iowa State. Uh, their games this past weekend, a win for the Hawks. Didn't go the clones' way as K-State picks them off late in that basketball game. Uh, in the first hour of the program, John Miller, HawkeyeNation.com. Couple of things on the John's agenda here today to discuss with him. Obviously, we'll take a look back at the really nice win over Ohio State as the Hawks get set to hit the road for Penn State. Also, TJ Hawkinson. It is. Uh, the day. I mean, this is the final day where uh, uh, underclassmen can put their names into the NFL draft. I guess, Trent, and welcome, obviously, to the program, first and foremost. Um, it just says January the 14th, right? There's no, has to be in by 6 o'clock. Right. Blah, blah, blah. Yes, I'm looking right now at the NFL operations uh, website, operations.nfl.com. It just says, deadline for college players who are underclassmen to apply for special eligibility January 14th. So reading that, it means by basically before midnight Eastern, I would guess. I guess, you know, is it or is it when the business at the end of business? It doesn't say that. So it it just says January 14th. So I would guess 1159 Eastern. Well, we'll know either way, I would anticipate. I mean, he's not going to leave the Hawkeye Nation hanging till 11 o'clock, I wouldn't think, right? Is this the reason for it, though, that this is proving to be difficult? Well, that, uh, yes, I, th- I think that that has to be the answer. I-, I wonder who knows at this point. I wonder if, um, does Ferentz know? Mm. I mean, does, does Hawkinson know? Right. you, you got to think that if he indeed, ah, you know what, I, I hate to, well, I'm paid to speculate, so I will. Um, i got to think, Trent, that he knows. Breaking news. And? TJ Hawkinson has declared for the NFL draft. How about that? <laughs> Timing is everything. Thank you, TJ. Uh, t- and thank you to the Chad Smith who alerted me. Uh, I see it right here. Chad Leistacote. Uh TJ Hawkinson is headed to the NFL draft. The Mackey Award winner took his decision the final day, but ultimately opted to bring his days as a Hawkeye to an end. There, indeed, is your breaking news. DJ Hawkinson to the NFL draft. Number Fast four on. for the Hawks. You know what? Um, it's a blow, clearly, mm-hmm. but it's also, at the same time, it tells you that uh, they're getting NFL-caliber talent there uh, on both cases. I mean, Iowa State losing a couple of guys early. That has never happened. Mm-hmm. Iowa loses four this year and four really good players. So they let the uh, uh, breaking down of the spring depth charts, and um, I know Scott Dockerman already put one out at the Athletic. He had a overnight. He had a look at what might be the uh, Hawkeye uh, depth chart going forward, and a lot of people going to do that. After all, it's uh, it's the off season, and that's what people do. And get us to April. Get through spring football, and then. The summer gets here. Indeed. So TJ Hawkinson is headed to the NFL draft, so we'll get John to opine on his thoughts on that, and we won't get him to speculate whether he will or whether he won't. He is indeed going. Uh, Dylan Mott's going to chime in on Iowa State's disappointing loss against K-State. Have to look after the home floor. That's two close losses uh, this past weekend uh, for the uh, Cyclones, and they head to Texas Tech, which is not going to be a picnic. That's for certain. Now, the good news is, if you like to watch both schools, uh, one of them plays at six. Iowa gets 
Penn State at 6 o'clock. Iowa State gets Texas Tech and Lubbock at 8 o'clock. I hope West Virginia doesn't precede that one. Or it'll be 8.15, 8.18, somewhere around there. You know how West Virginia likes to slow things down, and they seem to play longer than anybody. Uh, in the 11 o'clock hour, Nick Athen will join us. Uh, Chiefsblitz.com. He wrote a good piece yesterday uh, recapping Saturday's Really, I don't want to say no doubt about a win, but it kind of was. I mean, they dominated the Indianapolis Colts. Nick will be here, and then we'll head out to the desert. How did Vegas do this weekend? What does Vegas see coming up this uh, Sunday as we now uh, no longer have Saturday football uh, until Labor Day weekend? Let that one kind of sink in a little bit. Uh, lots of places we can start, Trent. I guess we should start just kind of get your thoughts on TJ Hawkinson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I keep going back to uh, Chuck Long, who had the Northern Illinois broadcast when all the hype all off season, all month of August, was Noah Fant and uh, just, um, you know, what what a difference maker he is. And, and, and Chuck Long on the broadcast says, you know what, tap the brakes a little bit. Not that he's not a good player. That's not where they were going. But in Chuck's opinion, T.J. Hawkinson was the better of the two tight ends. Now, won the Mackey Award. Mm-hmm. I think most people would say, if you could only keep one, you would rather have T.J. Hawkinson. That's saying a mouthful. It is. And our first guest today, John Miller, he said in August, his prediction was that Hawkinson, Hawkinson statistically would have a better season, and that came to fruition, too. You know, a more complete tight end, sure. Mm-hmm. More but of an the- NFL tight end? But at the next level, mm-hmm. and, and I, I think the part of this that kind of maybe gets mired a little bit in the muck is because Hawkinson is such a fun blocker to watch and a guy that goes up there and he finishes plays, that maybe it, it, it is taken away. No offense, not a great blocker. He's not elite level. But just, we're not talking about Jimmy Graham here. You know, when he was early in his career right. and he frankly couldn't block. Right. No fan is a capable blocker. And I think that is going to come, and you're going to see more of that going forward. It's not how he's going to make his money. It's not what he's going to be Mm-mm. known for. Mm-mm. It is the athlete that he is. But I think there's this misnomer out there that Noah Fance can't block, or he's a terrible blocker. He can. TJ Hawkinson was just a next-level guy. Yeah, and- Shannon Sharp couldn't block either. I just, use, I just use Shannon Sharp and Fant in the same sense. Um, That'd be a good place. Whoever drafts him, if they get Shannon Sharp, I think they'll be happy. Yeah, I do too. Um, we'll see. So Hawkinson, is he Zach Ertz? I don't know what kind of athlete. You know, I don't know how how that translates. Ertz is top of the line. Kittle is top of the line. It's pretty cool, there? by the way, to see Kittle and C.J. Beathard uh, back at Carver yeah. this weekend. And Beathard actually threw him a pass. Um, and Greg Mabin there, too. And Greg Mabin there, too. That's a, that's a good point. Yeah, 449ers. Think about that one. Um, I don't know. To answer your question, I'm not sure. What I am sure about is is... There's going to be a lot of questions as to who's going to catch the football this coming fall for the Hawkeyes. Yes. That is a major, major talker uh, in the m- <laughs> months, God, I hate to say that, uh, that we will have uh, here before we see them back on the field. So uh, now we have six guys leaving eligibility on the table uh, to leave the state of Iowa uh, to m- make their uh, way to the NFL, and I wish them all the luck in the world, and I have no problem with any of them doing just that, and neither should you. It's their decision. I'm not talking about you, Trey. Okay, thank you, thank you. It's it's simple. You have a finite number of years he can play. Especially David Montgomery. He's a running back. Yes, he's a running back. And all these guys. It just makes sense to play football for free or to get paid to do it. This isn't a long career. This is not going off and selling insurance where you can do it for the next 45 years if you'd like. This is at best 
12 years? Mm-hmm. More likely, what's the average just under three years now in the league? Uh, yes. Make your money. Do it. And I think three years is the threshold you have to, to crack through before you're entitled uh, to an NFL pension. I saw, did you read the SI piece on, on Todd Marinovich and his dad, Marv? It has. It is saved, in fact, right in my phone. It's, I have it, not read it yet. It's a long read. Yes, that's and, what I've heard. Uh, it, but it's a good read. It really is. I, I, I do recommend it. Uh, I carved out just probably 15 minutes, you know, because you want to go back and you want to go back. At least I found myself going back to the top of the story again just to uh, reacquaint myself with who they're talking about in here. But my point being is uh, Marv Marinovich, uh, Robo QB's father, played one game in the NFL. You know what his NFL pension check is? $40. 40 bucks. 40 bucks a month. Well, tough to live on forty bucks a month. Yeah. He's got Alzheimer's. I'm not going to mm. spoil the story for you. Okay, full blown. But it, it's a it's a really good read. Um, so we'll see about that. Since we're talking Hawks, let's stay there, and then we'll get to K State and Iowa State. Again, Dylan Mont's coming up more on that game. John Miller on the Hawkeye news, football news, and uh, uh, basketball news. The biggest story coming out of a really nice win over an Ohio State team, Trent, is clearly Tyler Cook, and will he or will he not be able to answer the bell? Now, Twitter reacted. And I don't want to say an hysterical way yesterday, but there was some anxious Hawkeye fans that were starting to hear the rumors or see the rumors or what we th- what they thought were rumors that Tyler Cook was going to have to. And, and again, I hope nobody's tuning into this at this exact second. Uh, is going to have season-ending surgery, and that apparently is not the case. But that was pretty prevalent yesterday at certain points of the day that the Tyler Cook news was worse than anticipated and he's going to be lost for a whole long time, maybe the entire season. Chad Leistakow this morning on Twitter said, no, there's a 50-50 chance he plays against Penn State. So that's two complete opposite ends of the scale. Uh, So I have told you in the past some of my contacts over there. I wouldn't call them sources by any means, but some people that have information from time to time. So... It starts, uh, in fact, I do my podcast, Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast for people looking for Hawkeye and gambling talk. I do it with one of my buddies over there. His name's Jace. He's a lawyer. He was at Texas Roadhouse Saturday night after the game, and he sees Tyler Cook. He says he's walking fine. Texas Roadhouse? In Iowa City. Okay. Walking fine. He's fine. No boot? No boot. He's good. I wake up Sunday, Mm -hmm. and I hear there's some rumblings, and I get a text from a different contact. It says, surgery. He's done. Mm-hmm. Whoa, whoa! So I'm in church. I can't really investigate too much longer. But you were you were on your phone to begin with, which well, is kind of at least you got there. It's, Who not, it, to say, it's right? not in the Bible, right? I, I don't. I Thou shall not use your cell phone during service. Probably not. No. So I'm fine. I, I believe. So I send this off to my buddy that saw him, and he said, "Well, that's not right. I I just saw him. I, I think that's I think he's fine." And it goes on and on and on. So my other one that my contact that contact that has the closest to medical stuff over there says you're dead wrong and he starts calling me trent trump and he starts calling me don't go there please (laughs) that's what he called me i know but i don't care and and uh, we go down that route so my whole sunday is going through all these different things i heard the same thing initially it was going to be surgery and he's done and and it dissipates. Do you remember a story quite like this? Well, I think I, here's why I think that the story kind of took on a life of its own is because the kind of the, the program after having that dismal start, those those must win games as we. I mean, how about that six day span for this for this basketball team? Yes, right? had to have that a must win a week ago yesterday against Nebraska. Did it? Went on the road, beat Northwestern, and then Ohio State comes in. 
decent, middle of the pack, maybe toward the top. I mean, they're not Michigan or Michigan State, no. and nobody else is in that conference at this point. Um, but but I think that you know it was the kind of woe is me, why us type of thing because the team all of a sudden is starting to live up to those maybe lofty expectations that some people had. Lofty, when I say lofty, I mean NCAA team, especially predicated on last year's team. Um, so maybe the fear kind of crept in a little bit and it took a life of its own? I think so. This is a a program as a whole that has been snake bit. And, I mean, you go back 20 years, has made it to the second weekend in 20 years. It's a long stretch mm-hmm. in college basketball for a power conference team, one that has some historical success to go 20 years without making a Sweet 16. And, and the reasons behind it. And I had old-timers talking about going back to the Final Four and what happened to Ronnie Lester. hang on a second. Yeah. When, when you say old-timers. Yeah, old-timers. What, 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 give me an age. Uh, 60s. <laughs> old-timers, right? Okay. <laughs> Did that sting a little? It's done, it, it does. It, it's going to leave a mark. But anyways, <laughs> go on. And, and talking about that, and I think it, the woe is me crowd started, oh, look at Iowa basketball you know? here. Finally, Why can't we have something nice? Now, you yes. hear that a lot from the folks in Ames. Yes. And I can yes. understand that from those people. They, they've had plenty of those. Yes. But for Iowa basketball, there is. And every time, one step forward, two steps back, mm-hmm. and, and it felt like that. But you said Leistikow said everything. He might. They're not sure if he's going to play Wednesday, but this is not Chad said season 50-50 ending. he's going to play. So if he's 50-50 for Wednesday, he's not season-ending. Right. He might be. So if he, does, if he misses the Penn State game, does that mean he plays against Illinois? Right? On, on Sunday. Or do you say... Do you, wait, do you wait for Michigan State? I mean, you should beat Illinois, right? You should. Uh, Penn, At minimum, you should get one of these next No two. question about it. On the road's going to be tough, but mm-hmm. Penn State's got a couple of players, not a whole bunch of players, but the game is... And, and Penn State's, I mean, they are in... This is a desperate basketball team right now that they're going to face on Wednesday. Desperate. Got throttled by Michigan State. Mm-hmm. They've had some tight losses in there. They play well at home. And and did you hear Izzo rip his team after his team ripped? I mean, this guy's such a great coach. Such a great coach. Who would you rather have, him or Beeline? Oh, boy. Well, Izzo's got the... I don't know. You take one, I'll take who's ever left. I'll take Beeline. All right, give me his Right now. I All want right. Beeline. All right. I mean, this is going to be held. These two schools, this is going to be fun to watch. When Michigan and Michigan State collide, because I think we're going to see this a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to in all likelihood see this in the Big Ten Championship, and I think if you're a basketball fan, um, you'd sign for that right now. And how about this? Michigan and Michigan State, they do double play. They play each other twice the final two weeks of the season. They don't play until then. Wow. February 24th and March 9th, the last game of the regular season. And the Hawks get Michigan once and have already played Michigan State and have them one more time. In fact, that game's coming up a week from Thursday. Both in Carver. Both of those uh, yeah, Michigan both of those schools games, right. in. All right, so let's do Iowa State, Trent. A, uh, look, it's a disappointing loss. I don't, mm-hmm. There's just no getting around it. Yeah, it's tough to sugarcoat this one. Uh, this one, look, I never felt like, and I know I saw a lot of this after the game that Iowa State was dominating this basketball game and they let one get away. Now, they had a late lead, and you would have thought that they would be able to hang on and pull this one off. But, look, it didn't go their way. And even Bruce Weber, did you hear his post-game comment when he was asked about Wigington and mentioned that, and I'm paraphrasing, but for an, for a, an opposing coach to publicly state that you know this isn't the same kind of player that he's not and again 
I'm paraphrasing. I wish I had the exact quote. He didn't throw him under the bus, but he made it pretty clear that K-State doesn't look at Lindell Wigington, at least now, as they did last year at any point, where last year he was such a weapon, in some games their only weapon, uh, that this is a different Lindell Wigington. And, um, I mean... Brown just sashayed right around him to the basket for that uh, mm-hmm. go-ahead play late in the game. Make free throws, would you please? I think Prom had a great quote. They were what six of uh, six of twelve from the free throw line, but Prom's response was they're basically six for fourteen because they met twice missed the front end of a one and one. Right. So had their opportunities. This was one that. Look, I know Wade played, but it was first. It was his first game back in the lineup, and he was going to be rusty. He sure he gave them a spark off the bench because you know, this is the preseason All Big Twelve player uh, that we're talking about here. But he wasn't ready for prime time yet. Uh, this is one that you would have thought Iowa State would have been able to pull out. That's a tough loss for the Clones. You know, there's two different ways to look at it. A Kansas State. Hey, this was an Elite Eight team last year. They're finally healthy. They're finally working their way back. You hate to lose a home game, but. This isn't devastating. The other side is, there's a team finally healthy for the first time this year, and you lose it at home. They needed a spark off the bench in the first half. It was Lewis came in, didn't do anything mm-hmm. scoring, but he was in there hustling. Mm-hmm. He was diving after basketballs. He was doing that. It was George Condit inside. Con, you know what? Glad you brought him up, Trent. I thought that uh, he had a really nice game. For his first game in the Big 12, getting appreciable minutes, mm-hmm. he uh, he was a factor in that basketball game. I, I want to see more, and I'm guessing Cyclone Nation feels the same way. They want to see more of George Condit. But you have you have to go to the bench to find these guys, and it feels like... The chemistry is off with, with with the lingering questions about Wigington. Mm-hmm. Is it all mental? Is it health, him coming back from that injury? What's happening there? How you divvy up the minutes? I mean, this has been a conversation piece now for a couple of weeks. It has, especially go back to the Baylor game uh, when uh, when Wigington was on the floor and Halliburton was not on the floor at the end of that basketball game. Look, and... It's 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 not as simple as when Shayok goes, so glow the, go the Cyclones. But Shayok's got to have, you know, he can't be held to nine points. Mm-hmm. This is the Big 12's leading score, and I know that when they're game planning against to take on an Iowa State team, they know very well what he's going to bring to the floor. But need more out of him. I mean, yes. they need that, and that's and here comes Texas Tech, Trent. And I know that uh, Wyler Babb said after the game, this is a must-win game. Yeah, well. I mean, that's not going to be easy. This is, in my opinion, this is not the best team in the Big 12 right now. It's a team that plays the best, the the most. They're going to lock you down, Trent. The game's in Lubbock. Have fun. They hustle, they defend, they play so hard. And that's the place you're going to go when you're uneven, when you're not playing your best, when, when you have questions. That's not a play to go to. We're not talking about going to Stillwater. No. This is. Or Waco, and that didn't go well. Yeah. This Uh, is one. And it's a weird environment. It's a long road trip. There's so many different factors pointing against Iowa State. Now, if you steal one, not all is right in the Boy, world. Boy, that would be a good resume win if they Yes, it would. They Big time. We'll take a break. John Miller, Hawkeye Nation, come up. We haven't touched the NFL. We'll do that right at 11 o'clock. Nick Gathin, 11.15, ChiefSplits.com. Jason Simbel, uh, we'll go inside the numbers in Vegas before we get out of here at noon. Trent and I are here every Monday through Friday from 10 until noon. Uh, we talk sports with you right here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX. Streaming live from coast to coast on iHeartRadio, this is 1460 KXNO. 
right, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. John Miller momentarily. Dylan Montz in about, oh, 15 minutes or thereabouts. Let me tell you about Dr. Stephen Fuller. Fuller Family Dentistry, two locations uh, in Polk County. Uh, on the east side, they're at East 29th Street in Des Moines, 2822 East 29th Street in Altoona. You can find them at 410 8th Street Southwest. If you're new to the area, if you are... Looking for another dentist or whatever the case may be, highly recommend my dentist, Dr. Stephen Fuller, 2822 East 29th Street, Des Moines, 410 8th Street, Southwest in Altoona. Let's talk Hawks. John Miller, HawkeyeNation.com joins us. Hello, John. How are you? I'm doing good, Ken. How are you doing? Doing well. Doing very well, John. Um, You know, let's talk TJ Hawkinson first, then we'll do the Tyler Cook and three in a row for this Hawkeye basketball program. T.J. Hawkinson took to the very last day, John, before he made his decision. And, of course, he is leaving and is going to enter the NFL draft. Why do you think it took so long uh, for for T.J.? Was this something that just ate him up? Or what was he doing, do you think? Yeah, my guess is that his heart is definitely in Iowa City. And um, college is pretty fun. Now, I I was never a a high-level athlete like that, but you know, it, it, it was a lot of fun. And uh, leaving it earlier than you have to, to go out into the real world, no thanks. Especially now at 47, knowing how much fun it was, I might have stayed for uh, an extra two or three years if I'd have realized all the responsibilities you take on once you leave it. So, you know, but I think in the end it was the best business decision. I don't want to use term like the right decision because it's not my life. Um, if he were my child, I would have likely, strongly, um, I would have laid out all the options before him to make sure he knew what he would be passing up if he did not turn pro at this juncture. I I don't think that he would uh, duplicate the statistical numbers in 2019 that he had in 2018, simply because uh, Noah Fant's not there. Mm -hmm. And Noah Fant attracted a lot of attention. Um, you can probably, you know, put a little NF on the uh, Mackey Award trophy in the back somewhere mm. if you wanted to. And that's not to take away from T.J. Hawkinson's skill set. He's a talented player, and he's more, you know, Kittle than Fant. And that's not to say he's going to be Kittle. I don't know that he has, you know, Kittle's speed. But I think that T.J. – and I said before the season began, I thought Hawkinson would have a better statistical year than Fant, only because of the attention Fant would get. So I think T.J. is striking while the iron's hot. I don't know that he's going to wow anyone with his measurables at the NFL Combine, but I think given the violent nature of the sport, his stock was never going to be as high as it is right now, and I think he needed to go get paid. So for Iowa in the interim, of course, the big question now losing these two tight ends is who's going to step up? I think the guy that appeared to be in line for that was Sean Beyer, but he had what sounded like a pretty big injury this season. Is it Byer and then a bunch of question marks in your mind going forward at the tight end spot? Yeah, I mean, I think Byer, if he can get back and healthy, he, he's definitely going to have every opportunity. Uh, I think Drew Cook, son of Mark Cook, pretty good tight end in his own right from my old hometown of West Branch. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to get he's going to get an opportunity. Maybe one of the freshmen get a chance to play. Uh, the freshman with the best you know body type. Maybe that's Logan Lee. I don't know, but it, that's a big ask to have a true freshman play tight end. It's happened a couple times in the Ferentz era, and Kirk has joked about it in the in the past that, you know, the uh, Department of Child Services should have called and, and turned him in for having a guy play a little too early that wasn't quite ready for it yet. I really think that Iowa's offense 
is going to look drastically different next year with regards to a shave. Tom Fornelli of CBS Sports tweeted this a few minutes ago that in losing Fanton Hawkinson, they combined for 88 catches, mm-hmm. 1,279 yards, and 13 touchdowns, or that means they're responsible for 36.4% of the receptions for the team, 43.4% of its receiving yards, and 48.1% of its receiving touchdowns. Mm. Iowa is going to have to transition next year to the receiving position, which typically and traditionally would be terrifying yeah. as an Iowa fan. Mm-hmm. But I actually think that they've got the best stable of pass catchers and playmakers at that position that they've had maybe since 2002. Interesting point. And they also, of course, lose Nick Easley, who was responsible for 52 completions, and he had five touchdowns. So you pack that on. That's like 100, oh, yeah. 140 completions out of the 235 or so. That, that's a ton, no doubt about it. So which which of the young receivers, John, in your mind, has the highest ceiling? Well, I think Smith has inched closer to his. I don't think he's near it yet. I think this year was a big year between the ears for him, that he knows he can do this. He knows he belongs. I think early on in the season, you remember Stanley was trying to go to him a lot. I think that Smith really did a lot of things in camp that gave them confidence uh, in his playmaking abilities. And then they started to get on the same page later. I I think they've just scratched the surface there. Amir Smith-Marset, as we all know, he has the wheels. He uh-huh. just lacks consistency catching the ball. Uh, and then Tyrone Tracy in the slot. I'm really excited to see the type of playmaker that he can be. I'm not saying he's going to even be a, a Rondale Moore starter kit, but I think that he's somebody that can do some of those things. And Iowa, I think, next year is going to have to figure out a way to get playmakers like him involved beyond just a jet sweep here and there, which seemingly is fairly easy to sniff out after a while. John, if all four of these guys were back, I don't think there's any doubt Iowa would be the favorite in the Big Ten West this year, but they're not. So who's the favorite in your mind in the Big Ten West uh, going into spring football? You know, Dason, Steve Dace does a lot of interesting numbers with roster talent uh, evaluations, um, and it's based not just off recruiting rankings when they came out, but after these guys are on, let's say Iowa has a two-star player and that guy develops into a first-team all-big tender like, I don't know, Monty Hooker. And if he was coming back, they grades Hooker as though he were um, a four-star player. And when, you, when I'm looking at his numbers that he has put out um, or that he has not put out yet that he's sent to me, um, Iowa has the most talent returning of anyone in the Big Ten West. Actually, maybe with Hawkinson's departure, might be Nebraska now. I'm not saying Nebraska is ready to be the favorite yet because we still need to see them do things consistently in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Mm -hmm. But their offense is very, very potent. Uh, Wisconsin is not as good in these raw power numbers as you would expect for a team that's had the recent success that they've had. I, I think the West is going to be wide open. I wouldn't be shocked to see, um, you know, a tiebreaker for first place, uh, a number of teams potentially at six and three, maybe even five and four. Um, it's going to be a very challenging division, as we all saw from the bowl uh, season play out. We see what Minnesota's got coming back. It looks like they've got things settled at quarterback. If Purdue takes a step forward on defense this next year, they're going to be right there. Matter of fact, Illinois' raw talent numbers are, are much improved. I think Northwestern has the lowest of anyone really? in the Big wow. Ten West. Yeah. So 
it's it's going to be wide open. I, I don't know right now that I'd say there's a clear-cut favorite, and I'd need to dive in and analyze this for quite some time. But not only is Iowa losing that in their offense, they're losing every defensive line starter as well. Now, we know some of the names who are backing him up, like, I don't know, A.J. <laughs> yeah, he's not bad. Uh, he, he's pretty good. Um, but there's a lot of questions there. You know, when Amandi Hooker's gone, and he was an absolute uh, impact player difference maker that allowed Iowa to change its defensive philosophy going to that base nickel package, something I think they continue to do going forward. So Big Ten West, wide open. Well, the good news is, John, we got a whole bunch of time that we can talk about that and look forward <laughs> to doing so as we get into segment killing season. Hey, one more thing on football and what Dace has been doing, because I know that you and, uh, and Steve um, both – Someone, not alarm's not the right word, but the Penn State news and uh, the guys that Penn State seemingly, that transfer portal uh, that's been getting a lot of uh, talk over the last couple of weeks. Penn State, uh, some things are going on there. Uh, what, do you, what do you and Dace kind of put your finger on? You know, we, we'll probably talk about that today, tonight when we record. It's just, it, it seems to be, listen, everybody loses players every year. Iowa, and, and typically you lose players to transfer when they are like second or third year players and they've been beaten out by somebody else and they can see the writing on the wall. That happens everywhere. Penn State's losing guys that have started multiple games and not just a few. Penn State's also had guys turn pro this year that were really kind of shocking decisions. I don't think anybody's shocked by the four Iowa players that turn pro at all. There's some Penn State guys that you are surprised with. And you get a, a receiver that transfers who, you know, was a, a, a full-time starter. Another guy transferred who'd started seven games. You know, Franklin threw some guys under the bus the last few years. With When he's made boneheaded late-game decisions, doesn't seem like he takes on the ownership of those things all that well. Got into a, a verbal altercation with the fan coming off the field this year. I don't know. It just doesn't, it just doesn't smat, uh, pass the sniff test, if you will. Let's get into basketball. And an interesting day yesterday, rumors floating around. Before we get into all that, though, a victory over Ohio State, a ranked Ohio State team, three straight Big Ten basketball victories. From where you were to where Iowa is today, what's your outlook for Iowa basketball going forward? You know, I I think that some of the things that we said about this team back in November when they were in New York, I think we can you know, maybe feel decent about those, that that was an overreaction to the positive. I think we said that this team was tough, was tough-minded, that they were much more physical than they were a year ago, etc. And I think that they've showed that these last three games against Nebraska, Northwestern, and Ohio State. All three of these teams are Ken Pomeroy top 60 teams. Nebraska is still number 15. Ohio State's still number 29. And Northwestern's 58. Those are all Q1 wins. Uh, or, well, Northwestern's probably just outside of it. But those are solid wins. And I still think that Iowa is a guard, maybe two guards shy of being a team that can contend for a Sweet 16 position. But I think that when you really, for the rest of the season, and Iowa's postseason hopes, in my opinion, you got to win these next two games. Wednesday night at mm-hmm, Penn State yes. and Sunday against Illinois. And if you win those two, you're five and three. Because after that, you're probably looking to go in, I don't know, five and seven. I mean, you're up against Michigan State at home, at Minnesota, Michigan at home, at Indiana. You feel good about any of those mm-hmm. four games? I don't. So mm-hmm. now you're now you're 
now you're looking at uh, five and seven before you get Northwestern at home and at Rutgers that you can even your your level. If they can get to nine wins, I think that they can make it to the NCAA tournament. So nine, not ten, John. Defense. I think nine gets them in. Okay. Yeah, Andy Katz so said the nine. same thing earlier this week. Just uh, just so you know. Yeah, I, I think nine gets them in given the given the strength of their league schedule, uh-huh. given that the, they're they're improving defensive. Uh, analytics, which are now a part of it, um, you know they've moved up to 80th in, in uh, defensive efficiency rankings. Where last year they were down in the 240s, I think, and they were in the 120s just a week ago. So they really put the screws down defensively against Northwestern and against Ohio State. Those teams scored 63 and 62 points respectively, and Iowa found gritty ways to win that. And you know, it's, you know, I, I saw Heather Heather Burnside's tweet this morning from. Um, from Chad Lysico saying that maybe uh, Tyler Cook's ankle isn't as seriously mm-hmm. injured as feared, right. which would be very good. Huge. Um, so we'll see. Uh, the, you know, this three-game winning streak that they're on right now, when, when I take a look at it and trying to find a, you know, the reason for it, and, and maybe Ryan Creener's not the reason for it, John, but to me this last three games, maybe his overall, you know, is in a three-game stretch, he's played – Way better than I think anybody anticipated going back to the beginning of the year, right? That if Creener goes, then this team's got a real chance. He's been a, he's had a big impact on this three-game winning streak that they're on. He has, and I, I like to see it because he, he had the opportunity. And if he didn't step up and seize this opportunity this year with Pencil and Nunji out and coming back next year, I think Creener's probably someone that might have said, you know what, probably going to move on. But yeah, in, in these last three games, he scored, he's scored a total of 27 points in the three games. He's had nine rebounds, but he's also brought, he's had four blocks, but he's brought a toughness factor into the game. And he doesn't take much, he doesn't take much stuff, kind of like Cordell Pemsel. And I think that this team sort of needs somebody like that. Been saying it for weeks. He's been very aggressive um, down the block. He's been very good at establishing low post position quickly in the set and with depth near the basket. And he's been able to draw fouls by doing that, too. And that is obviously a key thing. Iowa is, you know, they're, they're number one in the nation in percentage of points that come from the foul line. One of the key four factors, uh, you know, the, the basketball Bible four factors, free throw, uh, attempts uh, divided by field goal attempts. Iowa's number one in the nation, and that's one of the four, you know, biblical factors of basketball according to the analytics head. So he's been a big part of that. I think you, I think you uh, were right to bring his name up. Thank you, John Miller, HawkeyeNation.com. We will talk to you next week. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. See you guys. Good to talk to you. John Miller, HawkeyeNation.com, inside the three-game winning streak. And T.J. Hawkinson, what does this do? Trent, if you add up the Fant, mm-hmm. Hawkinson, and Easley, that's a pile of receptions that are not coming back. It is Amir Smith-Marset, Brandon Smith. It's time for a big step It forward. is. No it's doubt. time to take that step. And, and they need a healthy Sean Byer. You know, Weeding's a good blocker. He's shown that throughout his career. But they need a receiving threat, that tight end position. And I... I don't know if you can count on Cook. I mean, he's played the position now for, what, a year and a half? Yeah. I, I think a healthy Sean Byer. Remember, this is a guy as a freshman. They were throwing out there in different situations. He was a freak athlete in high school. Now he's got the size to go along with it. He's 6'4", 250. If he's back healthy, maybe that drop-off won't be precipitous. But if he's not, 
There's a lot of question marks at tight end. Yeah, I, I, there's some question marks on the offense, in my opinion. We'll take a timeout. We've got a whole bunch of months, sadly, to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about Iowa State. They're lost to K-State. What does that do? They go on the road uh, this coming week to take on a very good Texas Tech team in Lubbock. Cam Lard, what's his situation going to be? Is he going to be ready for Wednesday? Dillamont's Ames Tribune joins us next. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. 24-hour sports anywhere in the world on iHeartRadio. This is 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon here until noon. Nick Athen, ChiefSplits.com, 1115. Jason Symbol inside the numbers. We go out to the desert in Vegas right now. Dylan Mons Ames Tribune joins us. We're going to get to basketball in a second, Dylan. Uh, glad to uh, uh, thank you again for coming on. Um, a couple of Big 12 notes I want to get your take on before we get into basketball. And I guess now that the TJ Hawkinson news is broke, I think the probably the biggest one name that's still out there because this one reverberates in Big 12 circles. Uh, is Kyler Murray, and will he or won't he? Were the A's successful in their last-second pitch in order to keep him on a baseball path? Uh, because it seems as though football's a real option for him. What do you think's going to happen with the reigning Heisman winner and Oklahoma quarterback, Kyler Murray? Does he go to the draft? Does he come back for his final year at Oklahoma? Or does he play baseball? Where's he leaning? Yeah, that's kind of the burning question, uh, not just in the Big 12, but college football right now, it sounds like. And uh, in his negotiations with the A's, it sounds like he's asking for, what did he say, $15 million to, to go play for them right now. So it's just, I, I, from what I can gather, it sounds like he's, he's leaning football. I, I think he probably prefers football just because I think with the longevity in baseball, um, that's always something you can fall back on, and the A's will keep his rights for a while. Um, so I, from all indications, it sounds like he'll go football, but... Yeah, it, it's pretty incredible to think about where that conversation even is as opposed to where it was entering the season. I remember mm-hmm. um, Lincoln Riley didn't even, you know, say it was Kyler Murray's job uh, at the <laughs> media days to start the year. So just the fact that, um, you know, we're even talking about could he potentially be a, a first-round pick in baseball and then go to the NFL and be a first-round pick is, is pretty remarkable. No, it really is. Uh, basketball in a second. Last thing on uh, Big 12 football. The championship game is without a television home going forward. Now, I know that on even-numbered years, ESPN has it, but it was going to uh, rotate back and forth. Odd-numbered years, Fox. Even-numbered years, ESPN. Fox has declined uh, their rights on this game, so a Big 12 championship football game is without a home. Now, it seems like a no-brainer for ESPN to pick it up. But I'm kind of surprised that Fox would uh, give up a property such as this one seemingly without a fight. Yeah, especially when you kind of consider some of the other rights they're going after. They've went in heavy on the NFL, um, and, and maybe that's part of the reason that they, they kind of bowed out just because they're kind of allocating their, their resources elsewhere. But uh, just when you talk about the regular season uh, Big 12 games that are on Fox, it, it does kind of surprise me. Uh, I would imagine uh, you know there will be some sort of, feel like it's worked out but um espn is obviously a strong home i don't know if um you know who else will come into play but yeah fox is kind of making moves in, in some of the different sports they're going after and at the nfl being chief among them so dylan uh we had of course the first signing day in college football back in december that's the one that now dominates the headlines but february 6th is right around the corner do you have any idea how many players Iowa State's looking to sign? How many maybe scholarships they have open for that signing period? 
Yeah, they, they did the bulk of their work, obviously, in the early signing period, and that's what most schools are doing now. But, um, you know, as far as numbers, I think it's a little bit uh, fluid. Uh, obviously, when you talk about being able to only sign 25 a class, um, you're, you're a little bit thin. But I think most importantly, it's kind of what positions they're looking after. I think, obviously, with Akeem Butler uh, declaring for the NFL, I think they'll probably want another wide receiver at some point, whether that's uh, a transfer or another high school kid, just to and just kind of give them another body to work with. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw another offensive lineman go, whether that's some sort of transfer, although that's kind of a hard market just because of the competitiveness. Everybody's looking for a graduate transfer offensive lineman. Um, so I'd say those two are probably the, the top two positions and then maybe another linebacker of sorts uh, just because of, of some of the things you lose at all those positions. And obviously with offensive line, they return everybody, but – uh, that's a group that needs to improve drastically next year for Iowa State to be successful, especially when you talk about them missing a couple um, key offensive players. So I, I think those are probably what they're going to be looking at uh, the hardest is those two positions. I hope they save one of those scholarships for Braxton Lewis. God knows he deserves one as much as he's played and not on scholarship. Yeah, it sounds like he'd be next in line, um, just kind of based on what Matt Campbell was saying last year. They really like what he's able to give them. Um, and that's kind of another interesting position to talk about, too, with safety, because you know Greg Eisworth is going to be there. Mm-hmm. But I think the other two safety positions are maybe um, a little bit unknown right now. But I, I think with the way Braxton Lewis played and, and the way they're able to trust him in the back end, it wouldn't surprise me if he snagged one of those spots. And if they did have an extra uh, scholarship, um, you know, like I said, it sounds like he'd be next in line for it. Well, Iowa State, after the great start to the Big 12 Conference, suddenly going back the other way, Lost to Kansas State over the weekend, and injuries uh, continue to be a concern throughout this season. Now Solomon Young out for the season. He's going to seek a medical heart a red shirt. Looks like Cam Lard on his way back. But tell us uh, your thoughts on those two big guys as they uh, go a different route here, and a lot more on Michael Jacobson going forward. Yeah, obviously um, you don't want your rotation trimmed down because of injuries. You want guys to be healthy, but. The Solomon Young thing might solve a few problems just because, um, you know, it, it was going to be hard to get him in just based on what the rotation was and how they only play one big guy at a time. Um, and if George Condit comes in and plays, it gives them as many minutes um, as well as he did on Saturday. It just makes it harder for some of those other guys just because he, he is a little bit of a rim protector, whereas Solomon is kind of a guy that goes in and he can bang with those guys and, and really kind of um, be tough in there, but he's a little bit different of a player than, than George Condit. But um, when Cameron Lard comes back, he started to come on and, and kind of do that rim running thing that Prohm uh, always preaches with him. And obviously with Michael Jacobson, um, I'm, I'm sure they'd like to kind of have him regain some of that offensive form he had earlier in the year. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to, it's pretty tough for those guys to get many minutes. And so that helps from that sense. And, uh, but, it, yeah, they, they have to kind of figure some stuff out here as they go forward because you talk about a couple tough road games coming up and, you know, the quote-unquote easier one sandwiched in there at home. But it, it doesn't really get tough get easier as you kind of make your way through the Big 12 schedule in, in January. Certainly seemed with, what, four minutes after the final media timeout that uh, that Iowa State was going to win this basketball game after you know not playing well in the first 20 minutes. Uh, we came back, took the lead, thought that they were going to pull it out, and kind of one of those ones, Dylan, that uh, is you, you, somewhat in disbelief, and I have to think that Hilton Coliseum, you could hear a pin drop uh, at the end of that thing because it seemed like it was going their way, and then all of a sudden... 
Yeah, it, when you're up 55 to 50 at home with, uh, you know, only a few minutes left, that's, that's a game you have to find a way to close out. And just the kind of the way it went, they just they couldn't hit anything. And then Kansas State, they were able to really hit the basket. Obviously, Barry Brown was, um, you know, clawed from outside most of the day. But uh, the way he was able to kind of slice the basket with only a few seconds remaining, there wasn't uh, really enough resistance. And then kind of another um, – strange uh, last-second shot. Uh, you talk about the Baylor game with Nick Weiler-Babb dribbling up and trying to draw that foul and basically even a half-court shot um, mm-hmm. in what would ultimately be lost. And then Lindell Wigginton had a few extra steps it looked like he could have taken yep. um, to get a little bit better of a look. There was a, you know two seconds, 1.9 left. Just kind of heaved it up, too. So, uh, yeah, it, it, both, both ends of the game are pretty concerning. The fact that you get down like that and just aren't able to get any stops and then the fact that you get up and and can't close it out and uh, you know it's tough Uh, they they just need a guy right now who can go get them a bucket when they need it and you'd think that Mariel Shayok or Lindell Wigginton would be that guy but um, they just haven't done it in those those key moments yet so it's going to be interesting to see what they do from here. Wigginton certainly doesn't look like the guy that we saw a year ago is it health related or do you think it's between the years? Yeah, for probably a little bit of both. I mean, I, I think there is something to be said about getting guys into a rhythm. Uh, I, maybe he's a guy that does need to start. Uh, maybe coming off the bench, it's harder for him to get going. He needs to be in there from the jump and mm. really try to find Interesting. Form. So uh, maybe, you know, on Wednesday at Texas Tech, mm-hmm. he, he reenters the starting lineup, whether that's for Tyrese Halliburton or Jalen Horton-Tucker. Uh, who's to say? But I, I think he might maybe need that uh, to give him a spark and get him going. But uh, the injury doesn't help just because you're laid off from competition and you're working on that, and then all of a sudden you're thrust in the Big 12 play and, and you're asked to go produce, but you're coming off the bench. He's, uh, I can't imagine he's ever come off the bench in his life. So it, it's kind of really? tough on him. So I think it's, it's got to, you know, it, it's, there's a lot of things to figure out, and maybe it starts with, with him getting in there with the, the starting five and, and trying to get a rhythm early. That's a, You know what? That's an excellent point, Dylan. This kid has never come off the bench in his life. I'll guarantee it. I mean, he grew up in Nova Scotia. Who's going to I mean, who's going to uh, take his spot? Um, that's an excellent point. Yeah, and that's something to watch. That's a terrific point. Will he start on Wednesday against Texas Tech? And if so, at whose expense? you got to leave Halliburton on the floor. Horton Tucker's had his moments, but really since Big 12 play has started, uh, Horton Tucker's kind of you know spinning his wheels a little bit. He's not going forward where Halliburton has been great. Interesting take, and, and, and I think spot on, Dylan Montz. Yeah, and the thing with – the only reason I would even mention Halliburton is I think he's a guy that would handle it as well as anybody on that roster. Mm-hmm. Um, just the, the way he's kind of come in and, and he said the right things and, you know, that's easy to do. But I, I just don't think that he'd be a guy that it would let him affect him. And maybe he still plays starter minutes, but just isn't on there for the for the first five. But uh, I, I do think it's something to watch and, and maybe something that that team needs, just kind of a, a reset after the last week. Uh, an amazing statistic from the weekend. Patrick Mahomes becomes the first Big 12 quarterback to win an NFL playoff game. I, I guess I... I don't know who it would have been, but I thought it would have been done. I guess is where I'm going, Dylan. Yeah, I, I was trying to think if it was Sam Bradford at some point, or you yeah. know, I, Vince Young. Obviously, with the Titans, those teams weren't ever really good enough. Um, um, Colt McCoy, no. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I was trying to think, and that probably sounds right, which is, is pretty unbelievable when you consider um, 
some of the quarterbacks that have come out, it just has never been the right situation. But uh, that Chiefs team is so fun to watch. So uh, hopefully we can watch them here for the next uh, few weeks all the, the end of the Super Bowl. We will uh, take our last look uh, at Iowa State coming up with you on Friday, Dylan. Have a great week. Thank you for what you do for us. Absolutely, guys. Thank you. Now, good to talk to you. Dylan Mons on Iowa State. Wiggington's never come off the bench in his life, Trent. No, no, never. You don't think there's a good Canuck up there that took <laughs> no. his starting spot in middle now, school? There's a lot of good players coming out of the province of Ontario. Yes. Nova Scotia? Nova Scotia is known for Sidney Crosby and Nathan McKinnon, captain of the Colorado Avalanche, and maybe the game's best player right now in Sidney Crosby, not basketball. Excellent point. Uh, 11 o'clock hour coming up next. A lot of NFL, 1460 kicks and over. Live from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk, it's an X's and O's update on 1460 KXNO. I'm Trent Condon. The conference championship games are set in the NFL for the eighth straight year. It'll be New England and the AFC championship game. They get out to a 35-7 halftime lead and win it 41-28 over the Chargers. They take on Kansas City 540 on Sunday. In the NFC top seed in New Orleans, struggled with Philly, down 14 nothing early. They came back with the Eagles with one last chance. Get this off for the two-minute warning. Little surprise, falls back, throws. Intercepted, went right through Jeffrey's hands. It's Lattimore! The call from Fox. In college basketball yesterday, you and I holds off Drake 57-54. Trey Burhau with the difference. Burhau fires the three. That's good. The answer from the sophomore. Brad Wells on the call for Fox Sports. Drake, you and I, Iowa and Iowa State back in action all on Wednesday. KXNO.com to learn more from 1460 KXNO. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Portions of this hour brought to us by our friends at Fuller Dentals. Dr. Stephen Fuller, a couple of locations. Doc Fuller is my dentist. If you're um, an East Sider, Eastern Polk County, because they've got a branch, not a branch, an office in Altoona, 410 8th Street Southwest in Altoona, also 2822 East, 29th Street in Des Moines, Dr. Stephen Fuller, fullerdental.net. All right, Trent, to answer the question, that is the the Pat Mahomes becomes the first Big 12 alum, uh, Barry Trammell from the Oklahoman, longtime columnist, actually went back to the Big 8 and found four quarterbacks, one of which has multiple Super Bowls, and yeah. I guess they can claim him. Oh, I know where you're going. But UCLA would also want to claim Troy him. Aikman. Troy Aikman. Yes. Started his career at Oklahoma. Started his career at Oklahoma. Wasn't Vince? exactly a fit for the wishbone. No, right? Do you like uh, Troy Aikman with Joe Buck, by the way? He's been a lot better I think he's year. great. I think he's great. I love his laugh. Yes. Uh, I think he's got a really good sense of humor. Look at this guy. You know what I really like about him when he points out open receivers. Why is the quarterback holding the ball? He had this. He had this option, that option, and this option. He's terrific. Um, I, I'm, I'm a big fan. Vince Ferragamo at Nebraska went three and three. Okay. He led the Rams to a Super Bowl in '79. Mm-hmm. Cordell Stewart with uh, the Steelers. The Broncos picked him off. Uh, in '97, I want to say, yeah, the first Super Bowl win. They had to get by Pittsburgh. 
at Three Rivers at the time to get there. Uh, and Lynn Dickey at K-State, who led the Packers to a playoff victory in 1982. So going way back. Yes. But Aikman, the most decorated. But I guess you can claim him. He did play two years there. But not a ton. I mean, overall. No, not a ton. Not a ton. Hey, let's do the NFL from uh, yesterday. Nick Athens coming up on, on the Chiefs. Now let's go back more than yesterday. Let's do the NFL weekend. Um, of, of the four games, the Saints and the Eagles maybe had the most drama yeah. in the game. The weekend kind of stunk. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, Cowboys-Rams wasn't terrible. What, 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 that's what you're saying? It wasn't terrible? Right. Was it a great week? No, the 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 finale. I think saved. But I mean, look at it. it's fourteen nothing for Philadelphia. Yes, fourteen zip uh, for the Eagles, a six seed. But for the what fifth straight year, sixth straight year, we're going to have uh, Lawrence Welk a one and a two, one versus two in uh, in both the AFC and the NFC championship games. Uh, they were good. I mean, the the Chiefs were terrific. I, I have to you know give credit where credit is due, and I, I think I speak for America uh, in regards to the New England Patriots. But my God, what a show that they put on. What an unbelievable dismantling over a pretty darn good football team, at least we thought, in the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, the Patriots just, they never gave them a chance. Never gave them a chance in that football game. It was as one-sided, maybe maybe even um, more so than the score indicates. I mean, 41-28, that wasn't that close of a football game. They were never in this football game. They ran the ball. They did whatever they wanted. And here we go again for, what, the eighth straight year, Trent, the Patriots in a conference championship. Think about that stat. Eight in a row. Mm-hmm. You were hopeful. No, I was. America was hopeful. I was part of America. You were hopeful. Uh huh. The NFL wants this. The NFL wants New England again. Yeah, they're not getting them. They're not. I think the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. Well, rewind to a year ago, and you said Jacksonville was <laughs> going to pick off and New for the England. First, I know the game's not forty-five minutes; it's sixty. Yes. Uh, here, here's the thing about this Chiefs team. I know the Cowboys are self-anointed. They're more than self-anointed. They are America's team. Mm-hmm. Think what Pat Mahomes is going to do for this brand, for this Kansas City Chiefs brand. If he keeps playing the way that he is and the passes that he continues to play make and the plays he continues to make time after time after time, if you're a fan of the Raiders, if you're a fan of the Chargers, if you're a fan of the Broncos, get so, tied on, like folks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is going to be... I don't want to say that they're going to become the Patriots. To they'll they'll do to the West what the Patriots have done to the East. But this Mahomes kid, what's his weakness? How do you stop him? How do you, you stop can't. him? You can't. I mean, he's got some weapons with him. Tyreek Hill, that run. But his, yeah, excellent point. I mean, he's good, and Sammy Watkins is a nice player, and so mm-hmm. is Travis Kelsey. And yes. I like his offensive line. Yes, um, these are all things. Haven't we seen guys thrust onto the scene? It feels different. But the constant is the quarterback. And those other pieces, I don't want to say that are interchangeable because Hill's the fastest guy in the league. And Kelsey's maybe the best tight end right now in the game. Um, but didn't we say the same thing four years ago with Andrew Luck? And then he lost um, basically two seasons? Did we? I mean, it just feels different for this kid. Yeah, you're right. I mean, to be fair, Andrew Luck did lose a couple of seasons due to the injury. But... The way he sidearms the football, you know, he looked like Dan Quisenberry. He really, <laughs> he was, truly, he did. was going submarine. He was going way down <laughs> to was. make that play. This is um, 
this could be this could be a a long decade, perhaps, if you're a fan of another team. You know this what, Chiefs you, team's not going anywhere. What would you you brought up? You know, the Chiefs becoming America's team. I mean, not America's team, but the brand is going to elevate. Pat Mahomes going to sell a whole bunch of jerseys. Sure, but I, at first I scoffed about it because come on, the Kansas City Chiefs. Are going to become a national well, brand. Well, you can go back one further. You didn't think out of Texas Tech he was going to have the impact in the game that he's having. No, no, I, I didn't. I, historically, those guys haven't been. Mm, you're right. You're, it was fair for you to say that. I'm not criticizing. Yeah, you. he hit a losing record. He lost you up know, at Ames. I, I was six in. Yeah, it's, this guy's going to be a star in the. Okay. That was the Joel Lanning game, wasn't it? With all yes, the touchdowns, yes, five. But then I, th- I thought a little deeper as you're talking. Did anybody see the Golden State Warriors becoming mm. the brand that they are? Mm. No. That was a, they were laughing stock. Yes. That was a terrible they were an organization for a number of years. Well, they played in the Pacific time zone, mm-hmm. but you weren't going out of your way to check a Golden State box score. No. Right? It was fun when they had Chris Mullen and Tim Hardaway and run, what was it, run TM, whatever it was, mm-hmm. and Mitch Richmond, but they up, pulled an upset and that was it. Mm-hmm. And yet here they are. And people go hours early so they can watch Steph Curry and warm-ups. Right. That's pretty fun. That's a, I understand why they do it. And now are there going to people going early to watch Pat Mahomes and his warm-ups? Mm. I mean, of the new, of the relatively young quarterbacks, the first or second year guy, Baker Mayfield's got a chance to make a big impact in this game and make a big impact on the league, at least you would think. But Mahomes right now, I mean, he's another level, Trent. You made me think, and, and you turned me. Good work out of you. Another Big 12 quarterback. Missed one. That played... A big 12 quarterback that won a football game? Well, big eight. A, a player? Okay, who? New England Patriots. <sighs> Led them to a Super Bowl. 1985? Mm-hmm. Uh, by, by the way, I didn't realize he played in a big eight school. Steve Grogan played at K-State. All right. Caller helped us out on that I stand one. And corrected. There's yeah. A, there's another one. I didn't know you Barry Trample missed that one. He did miss that one. Um, okay. 1985. How's your Bears? You could have given me 80 guesses. I don't think I would have come up with K State for Steve Grogan. No, I don't think I would have either. I don't think I would have. I remember either. Steve Grogan. I'm sure you do. Don't remember K State, though. Those must have been some putrid K State teams. It had to have been. Lynn Dickey, did he get the job after Steve Grogan? Oh. Or was it was it was the other way around? Dickey passed it off to Grogan because it's the same time era. I mean, in the mid eighties, early to mid eighties, yeah, it had to have been it. Well, we'll take a time out as we go back down memory lane of all places, K State, <laughs> uh, in the early eighties. Uh, we'll take a time out. We'll come back with Nick Athen, dot com. We're going to double up on Nick this week. We'll recap uh, Saturday here today. Take a brief look ahead, but we're going to save our significant look ahead with Nick until Friday. Trent and I are here every Monday through Friday from uh, 10 until noon, talking sports with you all. By the way, Jason Symbol, CG Technology still to come. How did Vegas do on the four games this weekend? What have we got for numbers? And when they put the numbers on the board, what got attacked by the Sharps, the pros? Which way did they go when the numbers first went up? We'll do that with Jason. Uh, Trent and I are here until noon. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.